0: If you
1: are just tuning in, we encourage you to go back and listen from episode one. This podcast may contain content that is graphic and disturbing in nature. Listener discretion is advised. Previously, on direct appeal.
2: There's all of this. Oh, she poisoned him, then she shot him. This bottle is found in his car, but it's not found in his system. Bill's own sister even conceded she believed him to be using steroids, and it would explain a lot. The specialist said it could be my hand as likely as it might not be. Technical for I don't know. Anybody with kids that age would know there's no way that you could drop these kids off, drive a couple miles. The fact that there's missing footage, how the hell is there missing footage? What the hell do you mean these days were just lost? My attorney's like, listen, your phones are probably gone. I'm heard saying to him, why are you talking like this? These were the questions the police were feeding him. I want to judge it. I want to be angry at it. But at the same time, I understand the fear and the intimidation. My issue was that the intimacy continued after that fact.
1: This is episode eight, unfaithfulwife.net. Last time we covered the chloral hydrate prescription. The prosecution would argue that the chloral hydrate was used by Melanie to sedate Bill. We also covered the trips that Melanie took to Atlantic City, the easy pass charges that she would later petition to have removed from her bill, and the trip to Delaware. So this time we are gonna talk about this this last trip to Delaware.
3: It's the trip that Melanie says she went furniture shopping. Sorry, the last trip to Delaware. So the three to Atlantic City, this is now the fourth trip that we're discussing. Is that right? Yes. Okay. And this is actually
1: um the prosecution says this is the trip to Virginia Beach. So when to I drop off the suitcase. The suitcases. All right. So the trip to Delaware and the trip to Virginia Beach are one and the same. Okay. It depends on whose version <laughs> you actually believe. Okay. So the prosecution was able to elicit, if you recall, on the stand from Brad Miller that Melanie said that she took a trip to Delaware on May 2nd. She said, she was on the phone with Brad and she said, I'm going furniture shopping, something like this. And the prosecution thinks, aha, this is it. This is the trip in which she must have driven Bill's body in the suitcases to Virginia and gotten rid of or disposed of the suitcases over the Chesapeake Bay Bridge. This is, this has to, you know, this is a big part of the case. This is disposal of this body. Virginia from Melanie's parents in New Jersey was about six and a half hours. So and when did she have time to do this? So there, the prosecution says that then she had left the night before. She Her parents were watching the kids. Melanie took off the night before, which <laughs> would have been- an all-nighter. Yep. She okay. would've, it would have been, I think, the, the night of May 1st. She drives through the night. And she disposes of Bill's body off the Chesapeake Bay Bridge. Still 14
3: hours round trip, though.
1: Yeah, about that. Um, And then she returns the next day, and she's coming through Delaware. And what she says is, no, no, I just came to Delaware this morning to go furniture shopping. So the prosecution says this is a cover. This is part of her story. What does Melanie have to say about that?
2: So Monday night, my folks meet me halfway out, and they take the boys. I check out some more apartments. I go home that night, I talk to my mom, and, you know, I'm dejected at this point. I want to sell everything. I don't want anything left from this life. And I have a bunch of really expensive, heavy Thomasville furniture. I have no interest in moving, so my mother suggested Delaware, and it's 45 minutes from my mom's house. It doesn't have any sales tax. So that's what I did that morning. My parents are are early risers. Talked to them both that morning before I left. I think I left about 7, 7.30 from there, maybe a little bit later. The decision was made to not call my father because my father actually was being targeted by the prosecution as well as a potential accomplice, and his attorney didn't want him anywhere near the process, which is, of course, understandable. In terms of my mom, the decision was made to not call her because my legal team felt that the jury wouldn't really put much weight in her testimony, that your mom, of course she's going to lie for you. I thought it was a mistake at the time. I argued the point. I understood their point as well. So I deferred to them ultimately because they're the ones who do this for a living. I didn't actually make it into any of the stores because my phone rang. It was Brad and I said, you know, what's going on at the office? And he said, oh, just another Tuesday. I said, oh shit, Tuesday I'm supposed to be meeting Celine for lunch that day. So I hopped on the turnpike and started driving north so that I I would be on time to to meet her, plans were for New York. I left Delaware. It was about an hour and forty-five, two hours, and I actually had made a purchase on my Amex card while I was waiting for her. And the prosecution would ultimately end up saying that I made that purchase in order to establish an alibi. Um, of course, the cell phone records would have established that alibi for me, especially since I was using my phone constantly. But they somehow managed to get my husband's cell phone tower records and not mine even though our personal cell phones were part of the same account. So it almost defies logic that you could obtain cell tower information for that account and not get both numbers. We got our billing information but we were told that the tower information was no longer available. That's what I was that's what I was told my attorneys were told.
1: Okay, let me explain. Okay. A lot of information. I have a lot. Yeah, I know you have a lot of questions. So this is Melanie's explanation for this trip to Delaware, and what she says is, the night before, she had um, given the boys to her parents earlier. Let's Where did say, her parents live at this point in New Jersey? Right. Yeah, was somewhere
3: it? south. Marley Barnegat. Barnegat. I okay.
1: Think. And she had met her parents that day, given them the boys, so that she could go apartment hunting. She says after she went apartment hunting, she returned home that evening around six or seven o'clock she spoke with her parents. She you know, she was there for the night. They all went to bed. They woke up the next morning. Um, she says that she had already spoken with her mom about going to Delaware. She says, I talked to my mom that morning. They both saw me that I probably left at about 7.30 a.m. So I went to Delaware and I was early. I realized the stores <coughs> weren't quite open yet. You just so. realized
3: that when you get there? Come on.
1: Maybe, maybe not. I don't know. <laughs> okay. uh, that is what she's saying, that she realized that and that she decided to, uh, She, while she was waiting, she just started making her phone calls. Uh, and so when, you know, she calls Brad because she talked to him a lot. And when she's on the phone with him, he says, uh, you know, it was Tuesday and she goes, oh shit, I'm supposed to meet Celine for lunch. And I think um, according to her, this was an important lunch. She was going to tell Celine this news and they mm-hmm. were going to, Celine was going to help her make a plan. So important that you forgot about it. So important. Good point, Amy. So she says that she gets in her car and she basically hauls it to New York to meet with Celine. Now, if you're following the prosecution's side, the prosecution would say that was part of her attempt to establish an alibi. But that would mean that she has been driving probably then about 16 hours. Straight. So I asked Celine about this. So how did she seem to you, Celine? And let's hear.
0: She looked perfectly fine. She looked completely normal, not disheveled. We met at lunch early, I think probably like 1130. And she was fine. She just, you know, was there to tell me what happened with Bill. She didn't seem like any, anything. It was very casual. It was a very casual lunch. You know, she told me what, what was going on. I told her that, I, you know, I could help her financially get a lawyer and get it, you know, done with. And I was happy that she was getting it done like, and then we left and that was it. And she paid for lunch. And they said that 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 she needed that for her alibi for her to pay for lunch. But we always took turns to paying lunch. I took I did, you know, it was that day was hers. And it was red lobster was like 60 bucks. It wasn't, you know, anything.
3: First of all, if you're gonna go to New York City, you don't go to Red Lobster.
0: I was saying the same thing. (laughs) (laughs) She told me a
1: story.
3: I'm like, they hit it at Red Lobster, right? Like, why there's so many good restaurants? Okay, but Okay. So, first of all, if I have plans with my best friend and I'm 2 hours away, mm-hmm. I call and cancel. Mm-hmm. I understand it was an important lunch, but why not just reschedule? Okay, fine. Maybe that that was maybe they both took off work, whatever it was. Fine. I could get over that. Okay. Um I do have a problem with the fact that they're, well, I mentioned this before. My problem is furniture stores don't open that early. Like you don't why would you go to Delaware and get there at 8, 830, whatever it was, 845. That makes no sense. Doesn't Everyone sense. in the right mind knows stores don't open that early. Right. Why I, would you not check, the, like, the website <sighs> or so I don't know. I have a problem with that. I have a problem with it, too. It's But early. what's the alternate theory? Where else is she? Is she going to hide more evidence? Is she actually going to... I don't know. No, they're they're saying she, was, oh, she wasn't but going there. I'm saying if she was actually at her parents, though. You know, I'm saying if she... Because she said she was sleeping at her parents' house, right? Her mom saw her, her dad saw- well,
1: if you believe that she was sleeping at her you parents' house. You either believe one story or exactly. the other. Gotcha. Yeah. Okay. If you believe that she was at her
3: parents' then house. And she went to Delaware for whatever she reason. she went to okay. Delaware for furniture
1: purposes. Gotcha. Maybe okay. she thought there'd be traffic. Maybe she stopped for coffee along the way. Maybe she wasn't even thinking about it. Just get in my car and yeah. go. Okay. And she could have thought also, I mean, I've definitely made the mistake of being off by an hour thinking a store opens at nine when it's really 10. Yeah, that's
3: fine. Okay. I'll get over that. No cell phone info. So mm. she says that her lawyers were told that there's no cell phone info on her phone. Told by the prosecution or told by the phone company? By the prosecution.
1: Yeah, I don't now, like that. I have a huge problem and here. They, and
3: her lawyer just
1: said, okay, thanks anyway. I mean, how does her so My second act? question, um, Melanie doesn't have an answer for that. And it's one of her main points. She says, you know what? This whole conversation would be moot if all you did, and she said this earlier on, Pull my phone records. And then you could place me. So here's the odd thing. And by the way, this is one of those questions I would have definitely liked to ask the prosecution. They were able to pull Bill's cell phone records, right? And then someone might say, well, they're two different phones. No, they shared a line. They've got the same phone, the same phone company. So they pull all of Bill's records, but they never pull Melanie's and they say they were unavailable. And... I don't know what the defense officially said or didn't say, but pretty much they accepted that and there was no, none of her records were ever pulled. The only
3: thing that I could think of, and I don't even think this is plausible, but is it possible that she was like out, uh, like in a roaming area? So like it didn't pick up? I don't know what phones were like back then. Well,
1: that's what she said. She said, well, the towers, we couldn't get the tower information, but... We're talking. What about the records sh- of oh, well, that she
3: was at her parents in that morning, or or yeah. the
1: whole rest of the week? She says, "Look, why? If you would have pulled my records for this week, you would have seen exactly where I was all week long, and at least I, you would
3: have given. I would have been able to give some credence to. You. I'm not at a Walgreens at this time, or yeah, I'm shocked that her lawyer didn't just call the phone company himself, right? I I, I, I did ask her, and she yeah. just she said we just didn't. They said this
1: information was not available." And I don't know what they did or did not do. And m- let me make mention again, um, we contacted, I contacted Joe Tecapina twice and he did not return either of my calls. I also contacted Stephen Toronto twice and he did not return my messages. So okay. we would have loved to ask them. We still would, but these are questions that would be better answered by her defense attorneys. All we yeah. know is that this information was not made available. So okay. Bill's information's available, but hers is not. I have a substantial problem with this.
3: Yes,
0: I do too.
1: Okay, so she says, you know, that her mom, she saw her mom, she talked
0: to her mom. So we asked Linda about this. She was looking for an apartment. So she was going to be looking for furniture. So she said, I'm going to go. And I said, okay, good. Oh, we'll take the boys up to school, and that was it. Thought nothing more of it. I know when I saw my daughter and where she was, and that morning I did see her. I wish I could have been on the stand. It was ridiculous. I mean, we had to take the boys to daycare the next day okay. up in Edison from Barnegat, and and so we had the car seat in there. I mean, oh, she must have had his body in your draw in the driveway in the car. There was nothing in the car. We saw her car. We saw our car. There was nothing in our car. There was nothing in her car. It was always, they tried to make it sound like, I don't know, that we were making things up about where she was, what she was doing. It didn't seem like anything out of, that was strange to me.
1: So that's Linda saying, look, I saw her in the morning. We talked to her. I saw the car. Now, here's Melanie had mentioned before. I asked why didn't why didn't they call your mother? She said, "Well, you know, it's my mother. So I understand would, that. Would a mother lie? Yes. and there's there's no doubt that it, it's a call, right? Whether or not it's the right call. I'm not sure. Look how I don't think it could hurt. I think, you know, i we met with Linda. We talked to her. We've recorded very this. genuine. I think Linda would have been a great witness. Mm-hmm. I don't think that she would have buckled under any pressure. Mm-hmm. I think she I think she would have come across in the same fashion. Look, like she said, this is ridiculous. Mm-hmm. I saw her. Okay. You're not gonna tell me what I did or didn't see. Yeah. I talked to her, I saw the damn car. Mm-hmm. There's no body in it, you know. And I think that would have come across on the stand. So I have to say for me it's a fail that they didn't call Linda. Yep. Yeah, I agree. Cause like I said, I don't even if it didn't help, I don't think it could have hurt, right? I don't think it could have hurt either. Do you remember in um, the Casey Anthony trial? They called Cindy Anthony. And I mean, you know, Cindy Anthony got up there and told, you know, Mm -hmm. a story about her search, doing these computer searches. And as it turns out, she was at work at the time. And, you know, everyone speculated or a lot of legal analysts were speculating like she's not telling the truth up there. Uh, And I'm not saying this is the reason why, but, you know, Casey Anthony was acquitted. So it didn't hurt her. Yeah. Didn't hurt her to have her mom testify. And I think Linda's real credible. She is. And here's the second fact we have to say whether, whether or not she's credible. I have to say, secondly, I believe Linda. I don't think that Linda had anything to do with any part of Bill's murder. I don't think she knows anything. And I think she 100% believes her daughter is
3: innocent. I 100% agree with you.
1: Okay. Um, The next part about that is, so the prosecution says she, you know, let's say you don't believe Linda. She took this car, she drove it, she drove the body. Melanie gave consent to search her car and they did not find a thing in her car. No DNA, no blood, no signs of a dead body. I find it really hard to believe that the prosecution would not have run a cadaver dog through that car. Uh, I think that's not that's something they do in big cases now, um, for signs of even early signs of decomposition. Apparently, cadaver dogs can smell a decomposing body within something like less than an hour of decomposition. So, I'm sorry, this is (laughs) they did that on Bill's car,
3: though they did run the cadaver dogs on Bill's car. I don't know if they ran them on his car. They sucked. They found skin tissue that they sucked up with a vacuum. I could have sworn we talked about that last time. I could be off, but um, I know they did not run it on hers. I don't see why not. Why not? Well, so she she said that
1: point as well. Did they run it? And they're just not reporting that. That would be a violation. So yeah. we definitely can't say that. Yeah. But I'm I'm not buying that they're not running a car a dog through this car. Yeah. And I'm not buying that if she did transport his body that there is.
3: Absolutely no trace of it in her car. Yeah. I don't believe that. Could she have used Bill's car to transport the body and then taken a cab back from somewhere or? I don't think so. No. no. Bill's car is in Atlantic City too soon. It is. It's in Atlantic City, you know, right after. So I
1: think, look, could it be in an accomplice car? Sure. Um, That's not what the prosecution said. Mm -hmm. They said that she drove her car. Yeah. But they don't find anything. Yeah. So where do we stand then on this trip to Delaware? Where, I mean, where do we stand on. (laughs) But
3: Delaware's still not Virginia. I'm sorry, where do
1: we stand? So again, in Melanie's version, it's a trip to Delaware. In the prosecution's version, it's a trip to Virginia Beach. And you pointed something out, Amy, before. I don't know if we um, talked enough about this, but on the way, on the route,
3: are there other bridges? There's four major bridges. And like I mentioned, the Delaware Memorial Bridge, if I'm getting rid of a body, I'm throwing it over the Delaware Memorial Bridge. Right. That's an ocean. It's an ocean. I think an ocean, you have more luck in, you know, a body never turning up in an ocean than in a bay. So why
1: drive then? Why make a seven-hour trip? I don't know. I saw an interview her dad gave once and and it, it resonated with me. Why would she make this trip? Um, knowing what if the car breaks down? What if she gets pulled over by a cop? She's got, a, you have a dead body in the car yeah. and you drive seven hours. Aren't you looking for a quicker and route? And you're
3: surrounded by water. You live in New Jersey. Yes. Um, You're going to Delaware. There's, there's bodies of water everywhere. Everywhere, yeah. This so, doesn't make sense for me either that I she's just, driving. And, and like I said, you know, that's a bay. Unless there's something I don't know about bays and how the currents work, it doesn't seem like that's a smart place to put a body. It's more likely to turn up. Yeah, it's it doesn't, and she doesn't have ties to anything in that area as far as we know. The only ties um, that they had were, they had friends who lived. Bill's had, friends though.
1: Bill's friends, mm-hmm. yes. That's the only tie I know. Bill was, um, Bill has ties to Virginia. That's the thing. So Bill was, um, let's say he lived in Virginia, I believe after he returned from the Navy. Mm-hmm. So he has some ties there, but, Melanie specifically? Not that I know of, no. It makes uh, no sense. Right. But,
3: so who are Bill's ties there? I know the Rice couple yeah, that are his friends. Does he well, have other? I, I'm not sure. Okay. Uh,
1: and I'll, I'm going to read a report later, actually. Um, a report that states when he lived
3: there, mm-hmm. about for how long. But I don't know the extent of his is ties. Is it possible there. he had some long-standing feud with someone who lives there? I mean... Anything's possible yeah. at this point, right?
1: We're mm-hmm. all, We're speculating now. I do know I'm not... I, again, I don't believe that this trip was one... I don't think she drove to Virginia Beach with Bill's body in the car overnight, dumped it over a major bridge, and then drove back. I think the prosecution had it wrong in this case.
3: Not to mention, even if she did do that middle of the night, someone would have seen something. Three suitcases, right? Going over the edge.
1: and have A you, very
3: busy bridge. For anyone
1: who hasn't... I've, I crossed over this bridge once before. This is a busy bridge. Yeah. Now, even if it's an obscure time of night... This is not a small bridge where There's you always can truck drivers or truck drivers yeah. always traffic through the yeah. night. So someone decides, Melanie decides. You know what? I've got a brilliant idea. The best place I can stop to throw a body over is the middle of one of the longest bridges. <laughs> yeah, on make, the east coast.
3: It doesn't make sense. No,
1: this is this is not a win for me. I, I don't I don't buy this part at all. Yeah, neither do I. But then again, you didn't like that she was in going to Delaware furniture shopping in the morning. Yeah, but I
3: don't think that means she necessarily was in Virginia. Okay. And there's no other bodies of water that are connected to that bay in which she could have maybe dumped it in Delaware and the currents took it over to the Chesapeake Bay. I mean, I guess that's possible. I think the prosecution had
1: um an oceanographer or some other expert who determined based on the currents and the weather mm-hmm. where the body most likely would have been dropped from. So they're
3: it. pretty confident because I was going to say that I would believe a story more if it's possible mm-hmm. that over the amount of days it was it's possible that the body was dumped somewhere further up north. I'm sure it's possible. I don't think that was in
1: dispute on either side, though, that the body, I think they were pretty confident that it was in that general vicinity. Okay. So. And no surveillance cameras on the bridge? No surveillance. Uh, The bridge had surveillance, but by the time they went with this investigation, I guess, or by the time they were actually looking, by the time they figured out where these suitcases came from, they probably thought it was more likely that the suitcases were dumped um, from someone, a boater. Mm. And not by someone standing near the bridge or at the, you know, the base gotcha. of this bridge. They probably assumed that
3: a boater in the, the Bay Area had gotten rid so of So does Bill know anyone who owns a boat in that area? Mm, I don't know. Does, did Melanie rent the boat?
1: <laughs> no, I don't think so. No. At, least, at least there's no I don't think the timeline, timeline
3: would have allowed for her to rent the boat
1: and <laughs> do all that. I don't know. She's done a lot in this timeline. Yeah. So, okay, that covers the Delaware. So the trips, the easy passes, the Delaware slash Virginia Beach trip. The prosecution presents, um, now they get into computer forensics. So they are going to get into searches made on the McGuire's home computer. And remember, this is at a time, this is 2004. Um, the, we're not looking at laptops. We're looking I at... I was just going to ask. <laughs> they only have one computer. Yep. It's a desktop. So, you know, the big desktop that sits mm-hmm. there. And um, it was a shared computer. They both used it. Although I think we could probably argue that Bill used it a little bit more okay. Um, than Melanie. but um, Melanie probably had a computer at work and she worked a lot. She did, yes. So this is, uh, I guess we would look at this as the computer forensics.
4: At that time, everybody said computer forensics was the term. Now we use digital forensics, They're dealing with electronically stored information. So these are, you know, files and data that are stored on on computer devices, um, like your. PC, your laptop. It can be on on portable personal devices like smartphones and, you know, old school PDAs, gaming systems, any type of digital storage device. So anything, of course, the internet of things today where anything and everything can be considered a computer because, you know, data is being stored on it, data is passing through it. Now where my job would be to find specific types of information and report it back. Normally when you'd be working with, you know, the law enforcement an agency that had that evidence, you know, what we would sometimes get is what's called a a forensic image, you know, which is really um, a, a copy of all of the data that was on a hard drive or other storage device. This is typical when you're working the defense side of a digital forensics case, because as far as an analysis perspective, that's as good as getting access to the original hard drive. And the computer itself, there really isn't much information you're going to get from that other than verifying that the clock setting on the computer is accurate. But even then, that doesn't normally have a huge impact on your analysis.
1: That was Jesse Linmar. He was an expert for the defense. Jesse at the time worked for Miles Technology, and he was employed by Tacopino and Toronto to look at the internet searches. The prosecutor called their own expert first, you know, because we're on the state's case and they go first. And their expert was Jennifer Seymour. And she testified that there were a number of incriminating searches on the McGuire's home computer.
2: It was eight desktop PCs, three laptops, eight handheld cells, and one BlackBerry. So I'm guessing that mine in my home was Phil mine in my home after the fact. A couple PCs that I know my parents had, and probably Brad, and I think Bill's work computer. These are being accumulated from various places. Here we go, Jennifer Seymour. So she was basically saying the important directive that she was given was the time frame that they wanted her to search. So in other words, they didn't have her search the entire hard drive, and she stressed that her CD was not all of the searches but just some. So we're given these some searches. The ones that are being identified as problematic, this is what we're trying to address. Uh, Here it is, purchase guns without permits was found on April 16th. Instant poison, gun laws, there you go, Um, toxic insulin levels, fatal ditch doses, that would be the drug digoxin, uh, which is a cardiac medication. Undetectable poisons, that's the one that most people hear about a lot. How to commit suicide, how to commit murder, how to purchase guns illegally. Additionally, the Walgreens Site is also um, looked at in terms of um, locators. Of course, it looks horrendous. We're being reactive. We're trying to react to those things that are problematic. We're not trying to be proactive and identify things that could possibly help us or lead to the truth. We're on our heels at this point. Suicide.
1: Yeah, suicide came out in the searches as well. So clearly, I asked Melanie. Melanie, yeah. you know, says that she didn't. But she didn't make any of these searches. She said she didn't search for guns. She said that she did know that Bill did um, because they had discussed again her getting a gun. She knew that he had searched a couple of times. She even saw him do one of the searches. She said she had no idea about the searches for how do poison, we know who sedatives. searched what.
3: Uh, were they the only two that had access to their home computer?
1: Anyone no, else didn't. in the house? Okay. No, they didn't have anyone else. Okay. So, and I, I doubt their one and three-year-old were able to no. type in searches for <laughs> poisons and, no. and guns, yeah, you know, no. um,
3: but I have a—I have a problem with, unless we can, you know, say who's, sitting behind that computer, I mean, it tells two different stories depending on who's searching it.
1: It certainly does. So can we say that? Um, in, a, in a couple of minutes, I'm going to get to, you know, our best guess at that. But so Jennifer Seymour is, again, the prosecution's expert. She gets up there and she says, this is what was searched. And of course, this is going to be one of those moments for the jury when they're going to go, oh my gosh, poisons are searched, sedatives are searched,
3: chloral hydrate is searched. Yeah, um, I have a question. So Melanie said they were looking at some things. It sounds like they were kind of cherry picking a little bit. Um, I was confusing to me. That's actually a really good question, Amy. And Thank Melanie, you, again.
1: <laughs> what Melanie says is that um, later on, she's going to say, well, here are the searches that they didn't tell you about. Yeah. Um, so we'll get to that, that too. That sometimes tells you more than, you know. Right. Um, so they have their expert. Their expert has said, oh, this is what's going on. Melanie's team retains Jesse, Jesse Lindmar, And he talks a little bit about what he actually did for the case
4: what they ended up getting was a big report of web browser history. All the data eventually runs through net analysis and you get almost kind of like a spreadsheet view of all the web browser history records. This would have been, again, thousands of individual records. And again, a record, think of like a spreadsheet, a row of information is a record. And that row of information is going to tell you the date and time that the you know internet resource was accessed, the user account, the, the type of browser, the address, the URL, so let's say if it was a search, there are certain parameters that you would see in that address to indicate that a, a search was being conducted, let's say on a search engine like Google or um, you know whatever else might have been in existence at the time. What I do remember is prior to trial, Stephen Toronto, you know his assistants there requesting paper. They wanted this printed, um, and they wanted two copies, one for them, one for the prosecution. And I do recall being up all night long printing uh, with every accessible printer I had, um, and it was a stack, you know, thinking, well, geez, okay, I mean, I guess you you need paper, you know, for a couple of purposes. Number one, for shock value, because you now have this, you know one-and-a-half-foot-high stack of paper. And two, of course, to hand you know, opposing counsel a stack of paper to go through is a lot more daunting than a couple of pages to go through. So I imagine that's, that's just part of the, the game that's played there. What they were trying to show, the defense was trying to show, was other activity that was occurring on or about the same time as searches and activity that the prosecution was trying to focus on. So, you know, that was my take on it. And like I said, that was nothing I was privy to ahead of time. That was just all, from what I remember, on the fly, on the stand.
3: He didn't say what he found, though. He says the
1: methodology they used. Yeah, he's telling you about the methodology. When we interviewed him, he didn't recall that many specifics. Okay. Um, I think from the transcript. Melanie, yeah, yeah, and there is a transcript, and Melanie recalls some of the specifics. Actually, I think Melanie talks about what their expert found.
2: I remember sitting there on the the floor in the conference room at Joe and Steve's office with all this stuff spread out around me. It had to be 7 o'clock at night. And just looking at this stuff and going, what the hell is this? Because I don't know it's there. And now all of a sudden, here it is. And this is yet again something else we're going to have to contend with. The searches around these, quote-unquote, problematic searches, one was a gambling website. One was Bill's retirement account that physically required his name, his password on the 11th. Bill's on at 732 on his email. 734 just over two minutes later, undetectable poisons. One minute and 59 seconds later. 12 minutes after that, gaming source. Uh, 20 second time difference again to undetectable poisons. Even the gun shop one, again, it had the zip code for his job. So even if he was the one who had given me information in terms of, here's a few phone numbers, here's a few places that are pretty close, you know, to where you work or whatever. And the state's contention was that it was me. I had done that to cover my tracks. To look up things that I could have looked up in a book on my desk at work untraceably, or that I already know. If I'm getting up there on the stand and I'm saying, listen, I don't need to look up undetectable poisons on a computer. I know what they are, and even if I didn't, I can pick up an untraceable book sitting on my desk, look this stuff up, put it down and nobody's any the wiser. Why would I create, essentially, an electronic record that does nothing but incriminate
3: me? Why would Bill want to kill her, though? All right. Amy, you're still
1: on my thunder. All right. (laughs) (laughs)
3: <laughs> Sorry. We're not saying that he did, by the way, but... Um, let- I'm just saying that's what she's... It's implying. So first of all, I think it's a slam dunk for the defense. That's huge to show that he was he was the one doing those searches, at least some of them.
1: Well, you think so, right? But the yes. prosecution said, no, 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 it's her trying to act like him. Got it. You know, yeah,
3: she's logging into his accounts to make it look like... But
1: also, here's what the jury didn't hear that was found later.
2: After the trial, I'm here, I'm incarcerated, and a friend of mine has a copy of all the internet history, all the internet searches. This lady goes through a half a million lines, literally 500,000 plus lines of searches and code, and she ultimately locates searches that include... How to Kill Your Wife, How to Poison Your Wife, and unfaithfulwife.net. But we didn't know that at the time. So nobody could really elicit that kind of testimony from her. And I have a feeling that those times, those targeted times that she was given to sort of focus around, I have a feeling that those were very much tailored to exclude some of these some of these searches. The unfaithful wife tells me, okay, maybe he suspected. The how to poison your wife, when you look at it by itself, you can rationalize it when you look at it in the context of other searches. It becomes very upsetting. It becomes terrifying, in fact. I still don't know how to feel about that. I don't know if it's something that he just sort of typed in on a whim just to see what would pop up. I have no idea because for me to sit here and think that something that much more sinister and that much more insidious could have been going on, I I can't, I've never been able to quite wrap my head around that. Who knows where else he was searching this? The other issue at hand is that his laptop was, quote-unquote, examined and basically dismissed as not having evidentiary value. It was Ms. Seymour who made the judgment, and the not of evidentiary value when they answered was based on the search parameters that she had been given. She didn't find any of those keywords or phrases, supposedly, on that laptop. Now, who the hell knows what else is on there? We made a motion during the course of my PCR are asking to gain access to the trash bags as well as Bill's laptop, and we were denied. Because at this point, I'm convicted, and post-conviction relief is not a fishing expedition, as they call it. Um, You would have to have some good faith reason to demonstrate why you didn't do this before. So our contention was, well, we didn't know how to poison your wife existed before, and again, um, we were denied.
3: What do you think about that, Amy? I understand why they were denied if you look at, you know, the definition of post-conviction relief. But, I mean, wow. So, wow.
1: <laughs> Amy's speechless. Yeah. So, the, they had Bill's laptop, but they wouldn't let the defense The defense never got to access Bill's laptop.
3: How is that not a Brady violation? Because they decided that there was no um, exculpatory evidence on it, so they get to decide that it's doesn't need to be turned over? I don't understand I didn't understand that
1: either. They said it was not of evidentiary value. And according
3: to them that's according subjective. According to them the
1: judge agreed. The judge they brought it they brought this issue to a judge and the judge said yes, so they didn't do technically anything wrong. But so they
3: yeah, so they didn't do anything wrong, but They said it
1: wasn't relevant also. This wasn't the this wasn't they're saying this is Bill's computer, right? The yeah. the, the computer that they, you know, initially looked at the home computer was the shared one. So
3: Melanie's the defendant, they want to look at her but if we're trying to if, uh, the prosecution's not doing this but if we're trying to get at the truth of what happened to this victim understanding the victim's life their correspondence those are that's very
1: relevant we understand this i mean we teach about this victimology even when you're not blaming the victim understanding the lifestyle it's, of the victim and what role you know their activities crucial. play is like essential so this is almost criminology 101 for us wow.
3: um i want to talk a little bit about unfairness. Faithfulwife.net. Yeah. <laughs> so, Which doesn't exist anymore.
1: We looked it, doesn't, it Oh, no,
3: but, but why would he be? It almost seems like that's a website for maybe women who are being unfaithful. Like, no. what is he looking for there?
1: No. Like, I, I think, I, re, I I interpret this to be, he figured out his wife was having an affair. Unfaithful wife. He's looking at unfaithful
3: wives. Oh, this is like one of those like sites that are like, this, this is like... Um, Probably how what to figure out if your wife is... Yeah, like these are the people that we know. Oh, gotcha.
1: Okay. So I would assume here, this means that maybe he has some inclination. Um, Not to get too personal, but mm-hmm. I asked Melanie about this at one point. Do you think Bill knew? And she goes, look, I can't say whether or not he knew. I can tell you unequivocally that we were not intimate for close to two years. Oh, so, her and Bill were Yes, okay. She said, so I have to imagine he knew something. I just assumed we were kind of leading you know, different lives. Two at years, that, point. that means
3: the when their kid was conceived was probably the last time they had sex. That's basically what <laughs> right? she said. Yeah, yeah that's okay. basically what she said. All right, so, but I'm still having trouble with, it seems as if he was the one who was searching poison your wife based on the surrounding searches, but do you think... Since he's searching unfaithful wife and poison your wife, he's that angry that she might be unfaithful that he's thinking of poisoning her? It seems like a stretch. Well, we
1: don't know what he was thinking, but your point before is I'm still not sure who was doing these searches, right? You're not sure if it's him. So I had asked Jesse Linmar, you know, was there a user profile done? And this is what Jesse said.
4: One of the hardest things to do is, is actually being able to put somebody physically at the keyboard when an event is occurring on the computer. There are ways to attempt to do that, but it's very difficult to say whether you know a certain activity that happened on the computer that was conducted by a specific person sitting in front of the computer. Like I said, I just did a web browser history analysis, but I mean, you could do much more. I mean, you could go through again and determine, well, you know, what kind of user accounts are on the computer? You know, how are they being used? what What other activity was occurring around the same time as the web browser activity? I mean, it would be interesting, you know, now so many years later to see what other stories you could uncover sure you've got the this activity of interest, you know, maybe let's say these incriminating searches, you know, you have these, okay, what other activities occurring that might let you show who was on the computer at that time? And for example, if you see an incriminating search, and then prior to or after, second and minutes, whatever, you see uh, access to a webmail account for, you know, Mr. McGuire's, you know, work email, Then you would ask, well, who would normally access that WebMail account? Do you need credentials to log into that account? Maybe a username, a password. Who has knowledge of that username and password? Is that username and password stored in the browser? So it'll automatically load them in when you visit it. You know, again, outside of the web browser, what else is going on on the computer? Is somebody uh, working on their taxes? Is somebody working on their CV? Is, are they writing a novel? Um, you know, you look for that surrounding activity to better show who might have been on the keyboard when that activity was taking place. So, no, I, I was not asked asked to do that type of analysis, although it could have been and still could be done. It just really depends on whether anybody is still retaining that evidence somewhere. By the
3: way, Jesse Lindmar is a graduate of FDU. He is. Yes, he is. That's so, so funny. And I know, was pretty excited when I talked to yeah, him about it. Yeah, that's really cool. Um that's an interesting question about the automatic sign on. A lot of my when I use my computer a lot of my, um, like if you were to look at my history, it would show I was on my bank account. I was in this right. on this, on that, but it's automatically stored in my computer. Right. So technically anyone could be doing it and it looks like it's me.
1: Right. Was it then though? Um, this was 2004. I don't think automatically. Like, no, sign they have like
3: the pop-ups that say, do you want to remember? Yeah. I don't
1: know if they did it. But actually. I have to also say for me, like my bank, I have to log in every single time. Um, I'm not able to log in. There are certain websites. Yeah. And Bill worked, uh, again, he was a computer tech guy, I have to imagine that when he was logging into his work,
3: computer work emails, mm-hmm. um, there was more serious password protections. Probably security is better. Because I'm just wondering, is there any way to put Bill or Melanie behind that computer? Well, Jesse is saying,
1: you know, that you can do, again, the best you can do is a user profile, right? Yeah. So we actually, Jesse actually provided us or... He, <laughs> it was in the discovery. He provided it at some point with these uh, records. He provided us with a database inadvertently. And we have, remember Melanie said this woman was searching through my internet history. So we had those records and there are, she's right. She said something over 500,000. As I recall, we had over 400,000, but not quite Mm 500,000. And we have their entire search history from 2002 to 2004. Mm. No. you tell. yeah there so here are the things we put together. We're trying to do what Jesse says to do is reconstruct the use. Can we say for sure? of course not like you said, could there be
3: automatic login sure but is there for every single account or as the prosecution claims could it be that Melanie was you know purposely going to websites that look like it would be billed? But again, if you're looking at it from 2002, to 2003 she might have been doing that around the time but not why would she even do that though why would she even okay she's
1: looking for all these you know poisons and sedatives which are not the same thing by the way they keep getting conflated but they're not and she's looking through all of that and then she signs into Bill's accounts to make it look like him why go through that trouble why not as she said just use the damn book that she had in front of her why create any electronic did
3: they look at her work computer I can't imagine I'm they did I'm not sure,
1: but I don't also think she had her own work computer. Oh, I think they were, you know, shared terminals it. probably. Mm-hmm. And I can't imagine she was doing a lot of, you know, searching at work for yeah. this kind of thing. From all accounts, Melanie was a really busy nurse, yeah. you know, working, mm-hmm. tending to patients and whatnot. But again, it, it almost seems like she, then she's going through extraordinary lengths Yeah, it's to almost cover too this much, up. yeah. It's too much, yeah. right?
0: Mm-hmm. Either
3: don't do the search or, or exactly. do it. Exactly. Or she could have
1: gone to a library
3: or, you know, she could have used a computer that's public somewhere.
1: I'm going to say, I mean, you again, we can't say with the guns, but with all of these sedatives, she had the PDR, the physician's desk reference. She could open the Mm -hmm. book and look at it without ever having to go on a shared computer. And she
3: didn't need to. She knew already. She had the common knowledge. She did
1: have the common knowledge. So, you know, a lot of this... We can't say for sure, but what we did do was make some attempts to look at their browsing history. And here's what we found. There are, I mean, we went through a lot of it and we we wanted to, we narrowed it down to um, the sessions and the days on which there were these damaging or incriminating searches. So I won't go through everything, but let me tell you some of what we found. We start one search. Let's see, we have a search on Monday, January 21st, and this is 2004. So this would be about three months before Bill's disappearance, Mm -hmm. okay? So on that day, by the way, we were able to verify through emails that Bill had the day off. Did Melanie, Nina? She did not. Okay. Um, On that day, someone searches for poison. That's the day. That's the poison your wife Mm -hmm. and unfaithfulwife.net. A little while after that, I say, um, those searches happened early, but about at 9.15 a.m., so about an hour later, their searches for workplace harassment and employment lawyers I looked at, um, Bill was actually getting ready to file, it looked like a suit against his employers. He said that he was being harassed by someone. Um, Interesting. Do you know any more information about that? I don't have much, but I do recall seeing it. I definitely recall seeing it that he was making some allegations about workplace harassment. I don't know how serious it Mm was. Um, But so that definitely would have been Bill. So that's on January 21st. We looked more on April 4th. So this is only... So between January and April, did you not look at those or nothing popped up really? We didn't see very much that was, you know, normal activity. Gotcha. And again, we were able to say that clearly this was both their computers. It looked to me and we could ask James later Even looked to me that Bill was using the computer more of the time. Um...
3: He they were was, looking at typical things like he was looking at sports, he was looking at shopping. And...
1: Kind of, yeah. He was actually he used it a lot to look as well at real estate. Remember, they were getting yeah. ready to buy this house. He spent a lot of time looking at real estate. He spent a lot of time or a considerable amount of time as well in his email and on retirement accounts. Any online he in, gambling? He or... in, yeah, he was well, he was doing day trading. So um we definitely linked that to him. Mm-hmm. So on April 4th, at 824 AM, we have How to Poison Someone. Right after at 837, we have carcast.com. Why is that relevant? It's not necessarily relevant, but it's who do you think was going to submit about gotcha. carcast.com. Okay. We think it was Bill. We cannot say for There's sure. There's no way. There's is that the only search that would lend itself to be Bill's? On that day. Yeah. But I think April 4th is not that important of a day. Okay. As we go on, you're going to see a little bit more. On April 11th, 7.32 p.m., someone logs into Bill's email, checks a couple emails, then proceeds to MSN. Next, about two minutes later, there are searches for undetectable poisons. Ugh. At 736, CarCast is visited again. Then searches for undetectable poisons um, going on for a couple of hours. Okay. Mm. Um,
3: let me ask you, when it says he locks onto the email, checks a couple of emails, are you able to also see if he sends any emails? Are you able to read those emails? or just no. Okay. It just says emails no. were... Okay. Yeah. We couldn't get that. Okay. Uh, okay, so that was April 11th. So
1: again, if we have to, if we're trying to construct our own user profile, and we can't say for sure if we're making a guess, which is more probable, if it's Bill's emails on April 11th, I'm going to say that was more likely Bill. Mm-hmm. On April 16th, 7:35 p.m., we have someone searching guns, gun laws in Pennsylvania. Um, someone also, after guns, a few minutes later, is searching poison and instant poison. Right after that, at 7.51, they're back to searching guns and gun laws. So it definitely appears that whoever
3: is interested in poisons is also interested in guns. And again, it could be either. Let me ask you, did you... Could be either, right? Were you able to cross-reference any of these dates and times to see who is at work or not at work? Or or is that sort of like the next step, maybe? So...
1: um, we know that Bill was off on one of the days. Yeah, that one so you we, mentioned. we don't know um, about the, these uh, other days. Some of them were weekends. And a lot of them are, the, it looks like evenings too. The, they're evenings and weekends, exactly. Did Melanie work in the evenings at all? She she did sometimes. She was okay. on a call. But yeah, right. th- this part would have been really hard to show. Now, gotcha. her her counterpoint would have been, guess what? If you had my cell phone records, you would be able to see that I wasn't Ugh. doing these And then searches. you could look at this next mm-hmm. to that. Oh, that would be beautiful. Right, exactly. But um, I think it's important to know again that who's ever looking at guns is looking at poison. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. it looks like. They're back to back. All right, Sunday, April 18th. I'm going to say this is a big day for searches, okay? Yes. So at about 4.56 p.m., we have guns. Right after at 5.03, we've got poisons. Then we've got toxic fatal insulin doses, 5.18 to 5.21. One of the points here might be that... uh, that insulin can be used by steroid users to keep muscles. We did some research on this. What else could it be used for though? Fatal (laughs) insulin. That's really the- Diabetes. It's it's insulin.
3: So it's diabetes or it could be used, again, the search is for fatal insulin doses. It seems to me the person searching instant poisons probably found that, one way to do it would be in, in, by insulin doses, right? So it's almost like it probably took them to that next place. Um, it's possible. James was able to parse out that some of these were actually searched. There. Oh,
1: so gotcha. I okay. think these are, I, I believe that one, what you're looking at is not, I believe it was instant poisons and then search for toxic fatal wow. insulin doses. You see right after, I mean, the internet activity is continuing fatal digoxin doses, instant detectable poisons. I'm sorry, poison. what is that? Digoxin uh-huh. is an antiarrhythmia pill. What does that mean? I mean, it <laughs> regulates the heart. Yeah. So
3: it's That's interesting.
1: So stopping the heart perhaps. Yeah, okay. Um, and then look at this right after there are about 540, we see how to commit suicide. Oh, but if I do recall you saying that Bill did talk to his sister about being so depressed. Again, the only this is the only thing I can, uh, we don't know who's doing the suicide searches. Don't know if it's
3: Melanie, don't know if it's Bill, but, but I'm sorry, even if... Let's say we can say that it seems as though Bill may have been suicidal. There's no way he shot himself and cut himself up. (laughs) No, And we can't say he was suicidal for sure. But yeah, he obviously did not. Yeah. I -hmm. mean, he
1: could have, you know, he did not cut himself up clearly. Mm -hmm. So even if you argue this, um, we still don't have the answer to how the rest of the crime would have occurred, right? Yes. Um, When you start looking, you see the continues. Again, we're back to how to purchase guns legally, how to purchase rifles, insulin, insulin, diuretic poisoning, poisoning deaths. Now, look at that. Poisoning deaths, 622 p.m. to 627. Then there's a two-minute break in activity, and then Melanie's remote desktop is activated. Oh, boy.
3: What does that mean exactly? Does that it's it,
1: her 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 work account is activated. so you look at this now it could mean well, it could be Melanie this whole time, right? or
3: yeah. it could be so I it, get off the computer, I need to check my work email exactly.
1: <laughs> so I would asked Melanie about their computer usage and she uh, she said, and this wasn't in relation to anything, she said, I can't even tell you how many times I had to like boot him off the computer. Like I need to use the computer for five minutes for work. Okay. So could it be that? Uh, um, but then you look at it, four minutes later, 6.33, we're on morphine poisoning, so, nicotine overdose, oleander poisoning. Um, so she
3: checked her email for four minutes, it seems. Which you could imagine, like, yep. husband at the computer, I need to check my work email just to see if I got yep. an important email. Up, oh, didn't get it. It's all yours, right? Yeah, I can't okay. actually. Okay. It's, okay. it's possible. I, right. I do
1: think that's a possibility. Now, look, um, it goes on. There's oleander chloroform. Um, then there's a five-minute gap. And at 6.56, someone looks at neimanmarcus.com women's shoes mm. and beauty products. Uh. And I go, uh-oh, you know, this has got to be <sighs> Melanie. But, okay, I stop for a second because I think, well, I've interviewed Melanie now yeah. in person and on the phone. I've- God, I've interviewed Melanie certainly more than forty hours, mm. fifty hours in total, and she's told me about. I've asked a lot about her lifestyle and habits, and I think back and I go, Neiman Marcus is this really nice place? But I know Melanie wasn't a Neiman Marcus shopper, right? <laughs> she was a Target girl. Yeah. She was a TJ like Maxx. Me.
3: I know, <laughs> <laughs> like you know. So I'm thinking, this and Bill it. didn't have a confirmed girlfriend at this time, did he? No, okay. no, there was no way to confirm whether or not he had any I was going to say maybe
1: he was looking, but... So that, that crossed my mind. So then I decided to look at, you know, I've got stacks of paperwork. Like mm-hmm. I said, they're sending me everything. Yeah. And I come across this old document. It was a document. I'm not even sure who assembled this, but it related to all these searches. And it references this search. And it says, Neiman Marcus search relating to Bill rights to Cindy and Nancy.
3: What does that mean? So
1: Neiman Marcus starts relating to letter that Bill writes to Cindy and Nancy. I said the same. What What does this mean? So then I ask Melanie, and she says she vaguely remembers that Bill had an argument with Cindy about a Neiman Marcus purchase. And so then I had asked Linda, independent, and she said, "Oh, I remember that." And I said, "What do you mean?" She said, "Well, they had according to according to Linda, according to Bill." Okay. <laughs> um, Bill was upset because he had just loaned Cindy some money to get her realtor's license. Okay. And again, this is all secondhand information. Mm-hmm. And um, Cindy had, I guess, made a purchase at Neiman Marcus for something that was a little expensive, maybe mm-hmm. a jacket that was a couple hundred dollars, three or four hundred dollars. Mm-hmm. And Bill was supposedly angry at this. And I guess he looked it up and he was writing, this is somewhere in evidence too, but he wrote a letter apparently, to Cindy and to Nancy about their spending of their mother's inheritance and his spending.
3: But why would he go to Nima Marcus for, it's only one minute. Like, what are you doing for one minute? I have no idea. Yeah, I don't know. Maybe he was looking it up. Let's see what she bought. And then he decided, you know, I don't feel like, like maybe he was having trouble navigating the website. So he went from shoes to beauty and he's like, forget it. I'm just going to go back to it's what I was possible, doing. It's possible,
1: but it was right around this time. I did yeah. I did verify that at least okay. there was some, you know, there was something because I went, this sounds weird on both accounts. Yeah. I don't see Melanie shopping there, but uh, so I was kind of able
3: to verify that there was something. And it is only one minute yeah, it's so it's not a, like yeah. if it was a woman shopping, yeah. I don't know about you, but if I'm looking at shoes, it's not for one minute, no, right? No, of course. Yeah, That's okay. a great point too. So That's interesting. Yeah, that
1: is. And I did see, a, uh, like I said, I saw a letter, something. There's something that he was upset over a Neiman Marcus purchase that was made by his sister. Okay. So it's possibly he did just click on. Mm-hmm. Um, and also, if you look right after there, at 6.57. We're back to Which retirement site. One minute site. later. One minute later. That's Bill's retirement site, Bill's email, classmates.com, Bill's email, real estate. That's all Bill.
3: Okay. So Melanie's only, the only time we know she's there is that four minute gap where she's checking her email. You know what's interesting too? She would even say, I mean, she probably
1: said, you know, if I asked her about this, that yeah, I could have been doing it. But remember also, she alleges that Bill was accessing her work email or her work, remember that. Oh, that's true. She's saying that he was clearly
3: accessing patient information of mine. So it's possible that she was, I wish we had our phone records. This would be so easy. If she was at work that day, this would be a slam dunk. What are we going to do? Nothing.
1: We don't have that. Okay. We got to keep going. Yeah. So the last search that we have, and I mean, or two more searches actually. One is on April 26th. This is two days before Bill disappears. At 6.56 p.m., Bill is on his email. 7.08 p.m., John's gun tackle room is searched. They had already had their gun by now, though. Correct? This was the day that Melanie got it, April 26th. She got the gun on April 26th. So if she was getting the gun that day, then she was not home on the computer that day. That's a good point too, isn't it? But I think you could say, well, she got the gun in Pennsylvania 45 minutes away or something of that nature. She could be at home at some point searching the computer.
3: I guess. Hold on. What time are the searches? Okay.
1: If you look at the rest of the searches, they're in the evening too. Mm-hmm. Um, you got 7.45 p.m. Uh, and going on for how long? It looks like it goes on for about an hour and a half. Again, you got suicide. insulin shock, cardiac, sedatives, alcoholism, nembutal, euthanasia, suicide. Wow. And then look at that, 8.25, a mortgage website's visited.
3: Because and was that they were closing a, was on their log-in? house. That was that a login, like specific to Bill. Do you know? No, okay. Okay. it wasn't specific to Bill. Okay. It was a mortgage website. Uh, but he I, was the one who was always searching.
1: He was the one handling that. That I do doesn't know. mean that she didn't do it. Nope. I'm just saying. But, Definitely okay. not. Um, insomnia, <gasps> Chloral Hydrate page visited. Chloral Hydrate. And that is lot, that's the last one on 829 to 842 p.m. And, and that's, that's the last? The last day, if you look at the last day that they have searches here um, is April 27th, 5.55 p.m. And that's just for home equity loans. And so, that's the night in question. Right. No, uh April twenty-seventh no. was the
3: night April twenty eighth was the day of the closing. Gotcha. So the twenty eighth so twenty four hours before this all allegedly went down, home equity loans and bankruptcy. Yeah.
1: Well, well because with bankruptcy. They had bankruptcy at some point, Bill had declared. Or maybe the, maybe they had joint bankruptcy. Mm-hmm. It wasn't just Bill, it was the shared. Um so they um were looking at what happened was they uh needed to come through with last minute financing for their house. Mm-hmm.
3: So this is... But where is April 28th, the most important day? Well, that, that's the day that they went out. They went, they dropped the kids off. So they there's went to the no, closing. There's no They were all day on that day. And there's no computer. I mean, there's no. no searches. No. And there's not much going on on April 27th, which is too bad. But there's a lot going on on April 26th. A lot going on. So
1: there's a lot going on all these pivotal days. <laughs> and so if you're to construct a user profile, we can't say at all. No. But if we were just basing it on the searches and the types of searches that would, you know, that were made, I would have to say it's more likely that Bill was making the searches.
3: Yeah, but I'm still, now, it looks like he stopped searching for a poisoning wife and almost went from like, I'm going to kill her to I'm going to kill myself. <laughs> If you notice, it went from, how do you poison your wife? And then a lot of searches on suicide. Yeah. Right? I agree. Absolutely. And again, this is all speculation. We'll never know, unfortunately.
1: No, we won't. You know, this is us doing our best um, to investigate To just try to understand. So the forensic searches, so that's how we put them in context. Uh, You know, the prosecution came out and I think this, this impacted the jury a lot. They thought, you know, clearly she's looking for all these ways
3: to poison. Well, because they were cherry picking their information. Well, you could say that. Yeah.
1: Okay. Yeah, you could say that. So uh, this is another piece of incriminating evidence. Doesn't look No, I don't know. Good. There's still more computer searches to
3: go through, or is that pretty much? That's pretty much the sum.
1: I mean, yeah. are there more? Yeah. Could, but I mean, you Could we spend the, the rest of our lives going through them? <laughs> Probably. There's <laughs> yeah. over 500,000.
3: But that's we broke sort it down of the critical. To, yeah.
1: The critical days and the critical times mm-hmm. when we broke it down to. Next time on Direct Appeal. Police recover plastic bags that came from Melanie and Bill's home. They compare these bags to the ones found with Bill's body. Are the bags a match? Direct Appeal is hosted by Megan Sachs and Amy Schlossberg. Our producer is James Varga. The story arc was written by Megan Sachs. Music and underscore by Dessert Media. Recorded, mixed, and edited by Justin Kral at JC Studios. Special thanks to Alan Tuckerman, whose work was integral to this production. If you have a tip, you can submit through our website or by emailing tips at directappealpodcast.com.